the voice of the community. So today I just wanted to come on ever so briefly. So let me start by saying Happy New Year to you all. I'm glad we all made it over that proverbial hump. And we are here now into the new year of 2022. And that is a great thing. That is a great thing. We have lost many of our greats in the last 48 hours. Just in the last 48, we're in 72 hours. We've lost a lot of our greats. And uh, so it, it does do my heart some good to know that many of my friends and family, we made it over to see another year. Uh, so we have to definitely thank God above for getting us over that hump, moving into new beginnings and being able to see something special in our lives in the new year. Now, I know some of you all are probably still doing resolutions. I don't think I've done a resolution ever, uh, but uh, I do believe that people need to do things that affirm to themselves or actually motivate themselves to do better. If that is a resolution, stick with it. Don't deny nor lie to yourself and push yourself to do better and to be better. But right now in our new year, in our new year, we're going to talk about something that is very special near and dear to me. So I typically don't like to just talk arbitrarily off the cuff. I like to try to pick those topics that are near and dear to me and they make sense. Um, so today, what we're going to talk about 18 and the trauma of turning 18 years of age. Now, I'm going to make it a very finite group. I'm not talking to everybody, not talking about everybody. Um, I have not done a lot of research on how this broad spectrum on a macro scale affects too many people, but I am going to talk about how it affected myself, me and mine, and the groups of people that I work with and things that I see even today. So what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the trauma of turning 18 years of age. And so I want us to all come back with life according to Malik and be prepared to discuss the trauma of turning age 18. I know some of you all are probably saying, wait, what trauma? 18, that's when I mean, you're about to be grown. It. Let's talk about that trauma of turning 18. Life according to Malik, MJP Radio. We'll be right back. <laughs> Please, 
Never back the bell bottom, Brady one trousers. But if you don't want to, I can live with that. But you gotta put back the double knit reversible slacks. She wasn't with it, everything stayed the same. Inevitably, the first day of school came. I thought I could get over. I tried to play sick, but my mom said, no, no way. Uh-uh, forget it. There was nothing I could do. I tried to relax. I got dressed up in those ancient artifacts. And when I walked into school, it was just as I thought. The kids were cracking up, laughing at the clothes mom bought. And those who weren't laughing still had a ball. Cause they were pointing and whispering as I walked down the hall. I got home and told my mom how my day went. She said, if they were laughing, you don't need them. Cause they're not good friends. For the next six hours, I tried to explain to my mom that I was going to have to go through this about 200 more times. So to you other kids all across the land, no need to argue, parents just don't understand. Okay, here's the situation. My parents went away on a week's vacation and they left the keys to the brand new Porsche. They mine. Mm, well, of course not. I'll just take it for a little spin and maybe show it off to a couple of friends. I'll just cruise it around the neighborhood. I should. Yeah, of course I should. Pay attention, here's the thick of the plot. I pulled up to the corner at the end of my block. And that's when I saw this beautiful girly girl walking. I picked up my car phone to perpetrate like I was talking. You should have seen this girl's bodily dimensions. I honked my horn just to get her attention. She said, was that for me? I said, yeah. She said, why? I said, come on and take a ride with the hell of a guy. She said, how do I know you're not sick? You could be some deranged lunatic. I said, come on, toots. My name is the Prince. Besides, would a lunatic have a Porsche like this? She agreed and we were on our way. She was looking very good, so as I must say, word. We hit McDonald's, pulled into the drive. We ordered two Big Macs and two large fries for Cokes. She kicked the shoes off onto the floor. She said, drive fast, speed turns me on. She put her hand on my knee. I put my foot on the gas. We almost got whiplash. I took off so fast. The sunroof was open. The music was high. And this girl's hand was steadily moving up my thigh. She had opened up three buttons on her shirt so far. I guess that's why I didn't notice that police car. We're doing 90 in my mom's new Porsche. And to make this long story short, short, when the cop pulled me over, I was scared as hell. I said, I don't but I drive very well, officer. Almost had a heart attack that day. Come to find out the girl was a 12-year-old runaway. I was arrested. The car was impounded. There was no way for me to avoid being grounded. My parents had to come off a vacation to get me. I'd rather be in jail than to have my father hit me. My parents walked in and I got my grip. I said, uh, mom, dad, how was your trip? They didn't speak. I said, I want to plead my case. But my father just shoved me in the car by my face. That was a hard ride home. I don't know how I survived it. They took turns. One would beat me while the other one was driving. I can't believe it. I just made a mistake. Well, parents are the same no matter time no place. So to you other kids all across the land, take it from me. Parents just don't understand. Hey, what's up, world? It's your guy Malik again. And so, hey. We are now talking to our young people. Last segment, we talked to the parents and we talked about the trauma of turning 18. We talked about that trauma of man, not being prepared, not ready to go off into this world, not really prepared to do whatever needs to be done at this point to be an adult, because why? We tell our young people at age 18, you are an adult and you need to be prepared to take care of yourself, whether that's go to college, go to the military, get a job, 
uh, whatever it takes just to get you out of my house, right? So now I'm talking to young people. Young people, you need to set aside your pride. So let me start there. Young people, set aside your pride. Set aside what society tells you is a age of accountability and that 18 makes you grown. No, 18 assists you in making some life choices on your own. But grown is, so let me give you my perspective of grown. Grown is being able to come in and accept your responsibility for yourself, as well as those who depend on you. So if you have children or a spouse, but at 18, especially for my young men, so I want my young men to hear me. If you step up and say, hey, I'm going to take this young lady away from her father and make her my own, and you stand and you give those vows before the Lord and say, hey, this is my spouse. This is what's going to make me whole. And then on that, from that perspective, you take that woman, you create a family, you procreate, you create a family, and then you start making bad financial decisions. You start making bad uh, overall decisions as it pertains to your household then you have to be willing to accept, but also work your way out of those bad decisions. And all of them are not monetary. Some of them are just how you spend your time, how you spend time together, how you take care of one another. That is what we talk about when we talk about bad decision-making. And bad decision-making is not solely on one person. Sometimes they're joint decisions. Taking that trip to Vegas instead of paying your rent first. Um, I, I actually, a very comical situation with it being the first of the year, I had a friend reach out to me and say, hey, I need to borrow X, Y, and Z so that I could pay my rent. But when you looked at their social media pages, it was just a mad blast of photographs of them drinking and consuming alcohol and large amounts of food uh, while in Vegas and enjoying themselves for the first of the year. And they brought in the new year in Vegas, but now you had to come home and talk to a friend about borrowing your rent money. A borrowing scenario, young people, and this is when you are truly grown and understanding that a borrowing scenario from anyone, a bank, uh, a person you know, is just a delayed gratification. It really is because, and it's really not gratifying. Because what you're doing is you, you, you borrow the money from a friend, you pay your rent, you still owe that friend. So every dollar that you spend above returning that money back to them is potentially the loss of a good friend. And understand the value of your friendships, the value of your relationships should far outweigh any monetary unit, whether it's a dollar, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. $5,000, $10 million. Your relationship should be not be built on monetary gain. It should not be built and limited to monetary uh, issues, success, or growth. It should truly be a relationship that builds you as a human being, as a person, as a gentleman, as a lady. And that's where your relationships will be. But that's a part of being grown is being able to identify being able to identify that, hey, my relationships mean more to me than this trip to Las Vegas. So in being grown, you have to make those hard decisions that, hmm, I'm not going to be 
overly grown and go to Las Vegas. I'm just going to be grown and stay home, pay my rent on time and enjoy bringing in the new year. Well, how does that affect you and that trauma of turning 18? You have to understand that there are some things you need to be doing now, prepping for 18. When does that start? You say, Malika, when does that start? Doc, help us out. That starts, honestly, when you enter the eighth grade. I don't care how old you are, but it honestly starts when you enter the eighth grade. And you need to seriously consider what it takes being grown on the other end. Now, understand your parents should be assisting you, your parents, your guardians, your teachers, your counselors, these people that are around you on a daily basis, these true adults, they need to be counseling you. They need to be offering you counsel to say, hey, what are you planning on doing after high school? That conversation should start in the eighth grade. Take the ACT. Yes, I know it costs money. Dig in those pockets. Get that money out, get that card out, swipe it, call it in, dial it in, type it in. And guess what? Pay for that test. Take it as many times as you can to eliminate any anxiety. I know a lot of schools these days, uh, COVID withstanding, are taking students in without the ACT, SAT. But that's also limiting the amount of scholarship dollars that you're eligible for. So keep in mind that in adulting, you have to make that conscious decision that, hey, I'm going to take this test because I think I'm in the running for scholarships versus trying to save $34 and $45 today just to go out and buy a new pair of sneakers or go to lunch or buy a new pair of jeans or what have you. It's really about what the, is that long-term effect of saving this money. So young people, when you start thinking about what does it take to be an adult so that you don't feel the impact of the trauma of being 18 or turning 18, you need to seriously consider what is on the other side of 18 that you want. So when we come back with our third segment, but I'm going to talk to you about my son's decisions and how I'm working with them to make sure that they meet their end goals and be able to reach the end game, putting them in the best position possible. Life According to Malik, MJP Radio, WDRB, Voice of the Community. Oh, 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 just take a pause for a minute. Let's go. <laughs> Check it out, man. It's your man, Bowieezy, right here live, can direct. Talking to all y'all youngins out there, baby. Can't wait till I turn 18. I know it's the same for y'all, man. I know, I know. I'm talking about pulling up in them big cars on them 22s. Nah, forget that. I'm talking about Charlie Woodson's, man. I'm, I'm talking about 24s, man. It's a rap for y'all when I turn 18, man. <laughs> Listen to the hook. When I turn 18, I need a ride on some rims that's clean. In them brand new days when I hit the when scene. I turn 18, I need a girlfriend older than me. And she gon' have to be a dime if she rollin' with me. When I turn 18, pull up and stop. Let my sister knock. They all know I'm super cool when I drop. When I turn 18, I get my crib up on my first day. And every week we celebrate like it's my birthday. Be leaning and dipping, sitting on inches, rotting. Getting at women, they loving my every sentence. It's wheezy, baby. From the truck to the drop to the cool to the hot two seater, y'all. You got to believe me, baby. The game tight and the bank right. 
this fame came in the bright lights, you gotta release me, baby. I can't be tied up, can't be handcuffed to no chick at the party when I ride up. Cause I got the mingle, I know I'm great with the lingo, but check it, I gotta motivate, I just gotta be single. And yeah, like when I sing you, yeah, like how you jingle and yeah, said I'm a ring you. This morning, but I think I'll be okay. I'll be okay. My car still smells like my mom is gonna kill me. Gonna kill me. Traffic's backed up from corner to corner, so I guess I'll hit the highway. The highway. Shake away all the stress off my shoulders. Gonna have a good day, a good but cause day. I'm 18 and I still live with my parents. Yeah, they're not like yours. Well, yours are more understanding. I've never fell in love. I save those feelings for you. So let's do all the stupid stuff that young kids do. What's up, guys? This is Guy Malik. And so, look, closing out this particular show, and I think I'm going to do a follow-up on this one. There may be a part two to this one because I want to bring some friends in, get their perspective, maybe do an hour-long show. And like I've told you before, Life According to Malik is going to be making some changes as we begin to migrate away from our friends at WDRB, the voice of the community. So as we become solely under the MJP radio stamp, I may have to bring some friends in just to be able to talk us through getting over this very important milestone. In some communities, the, there, there are uh, uh, bar mitzvahs and kitzneras and all things that identify us moving into this growth factor. And then when you look at most of the Negro communities, many that are prescribed to East African and Northwestern African uh, 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 ideology and understanding and traditionals and uh, traditions and practices, Many of them look at, they do that rite of passage, which I always encourage every young man to link up with an organization and do a rite of passage. Get that rite of passage, understand what you're moving into when we talk about manhood, young ladies, all of you need to be involved in different things, if, whether it's a cotillion or whether it's something, your own female rite of passage, you need to move into those things so you can get an in-depth understanding from your elders. But when we talk about turning 18 and experiencing that trauma, 18 has become a fear for so many. So let me touch on a couple of groups that, that, that 18 becomes a fear. 
those young people of ours that we have taken our hands off of and allowed them to go into the juvenile justice system. The juvenile justice system most of the time cuts them off at age 18. What's on the other side of those steel bars at age 18? There's no more structure. There's no more clean clothes. There's nowhere to live unless there's a family member willing to take them in, which often, more often than not, it is not. So that group tends to be our forgotten. They reoffend to go in because they're going back to what they're comfortable with. Not all, so I will never say 100%. But a large number does. Let's also look at the foster child or the orphan, right? My mom took in foster children. I raised around them. She adopted five girls, which I thought was a beautiful thing. But for many foster children, age 18 is fearful. There's a fear, an innate fear, a, a pit wrenching, stomach gut punching fear. That is created because at 18, we're cutting you off. There's no more benefits. So the person you're living with, they don't receive a, a, a stipend or, or, or monthly uh, reception of, 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 of good money. I think, I, think they, I think our government, to an extent, does well when it comes to our foster children, ensuring that the resources are there to at least get them through the daily basic life support so that they can continue on without hindrances. I think where we do wrong, and this is a whole nother show, but where I think we do wrong is how we shuttle them around and move them around so often. And then the young people just never get that sense of stability and that sense of love and admiration that they need in order to develop. But neither here nor there, that's a whole nother show. But we need to focus on, we need to focus on, we do, we need to focus on, how do we get these young people in the foster care system over that hump that jumps up and kicks them in the back at age 18? See, there's nothing for them, and that's what they're told. Now, if they get with a good family that is uh, uh, at least rooted in spirituality, rooted in family, rooted in uh, education being a form of advancement, or they are a historical military family and it gets them moving forward, that gives them a fighting chance, but it does not win the war. So what we have to do is we have to remember that even those foster children, even those young people coming out of the juvenile justice system, I got it, there's very few benefits that are available to anyone to take them in. But we need to figure out how we can get them over that hump. That's the foster child and the orphan. That's the, the, the child leaving the juvenile justice system. But even that child who left from what's considered a healthy family, two parents, siblings, nice home, own bedroom, went to school every day, made fairly decent grades. How do we get them over that hump, that trauma of turning 18? Now, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but I am a big fan of the Cosby show. Uh, Dr. William H. Cosby, better known as Bill Cosby, he, he actually did something that will probably never be done again, and it transcends the test of time. He did, he put together a comedy show that taught us how to not only be family, 
but it taught us how to operate as a family and to move as a family. If you ever look at the dynamic of that show, it was an upper middle class black family with the mother as a lawyer, the father who was a OBGYN. And, and he went on to, you know, and his children, which Theo, the only son, he was uh, dyslexic. And he found this out at a late age, sort of like me, found out at a late age that he was dyslexic. And he went on to overcome dyslexia to go to college. He went to college. And then there were later shows where he was fighting through college. And as the show ended, it ended with Theo graduating from college. And then Theo going in, working with this community center, taking on a bigger and better job. It was even the one child who did not complete college. She went, she dropped out. Uh, she, but there was a spinoff show, A Different World. There was a spinoff show. And then she, but she left. She found a good man who was in the military. He was in the Navy and he served admirably. I don't remember what his rank was in the show, but even they had shown where there was growth, success. She was a mother, not of a blended family. She accepted his daughter as her, as her own. And then you had the eldest daughter and son-in-law who were both doctors or no, he was a doctor. She was a lawyer. And then they had their little fighting up the ladder, uh, little episodes and how they lived in, the, in a horrible apartment. And they even needed support from family. But what that show taught us was that you don't jump past 18 into 30, where you have the knowledge of an adult, you have the knowledge of your elders, you have the knowledge of the world around you, and you can benefit from that. That's not what it showed us. What it showed us was that family sticks together regardless. They all lived in and around the immediate area there in Brooklyn, New York, in their brownstone. And mom and dad was there to provide for all until they could provide for themselves. And I, I guess that's the true point of overcoming that trauma is that we as parents, we should not be throwing our children to the wolves as though they are bloodied carcasses and leaving them to be decimated and to be eaten by anyone looking to take from their bones. Young people. Do not put your parents in that position. Go to school, do the best you can. Even if your intentions are to join the military. Look at me, I joined the military after going to college. I enjoyed my years of college. Pledge fraternity, Omega Psi Phi to the day I die. Gamma Gamma chapter, shout out to you all and all the undergraduate chapters at Grambling State University and to Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated Global at Snapfinger. Hey, I love my fraternity. I love my university. I love my HBCU. I know that is like a little gimmicky term now, but I do. I love Grambling. Got my purple and gold on today. But put yourself in a position to enjoy and to at least give yourself that opportunity to join a fraternity. Go to college. Enjoy college football, college basketball, the band. Uh, the ladies, young men, the ladies, you will meet some of the most beautiful women from all over the world on a college campus, no matter how big or how small. I am an advocate for HBCUs, but I am also an advocate for post-secondary training, education, and planning. 
So if you don't plan to go to college, the military is an option. You all have heard me say on this show before that the military has placed more of American Negroes into the uh, into the middle class than anything else in the world. Keep in mind, a graduation class from an HBCU is very minuscule to the number of black people who graduate from a basic training, basic training, graduation from any service of the military. We have five, any branch of the military at this time. So when your university, HBCUs, when your university graduates 400 at any given time, the U.S. Army brought in 400 just in the two spring classes. So what we have to remember is that everything is not finite. Some things to overcome that age 18 trauma just has to be planned for. So guys, look, in the new year, bless you all. I'm glad for those of you who are listening, you made it to this side. And again, I think this there will be a part two to this particular segment uh, talking about the trauma of turning 18. But I really think that in this year, in this year, we need to start over. The black community needs to start over and start growing our people at a much earlier age and understanding that we do not push our people into the street and that's starting with our children. So one of the things I want you all to do, uh, there is a book called The Meritocracy Trap. There's a book called The Meritocracy Trap. And what I will start doing is if I'm going to use this platform, I'll start having the book to hold up for you. And so you can get the author's name, but there's a book called The Meritocracy Trap. Uh, it's just a white covered book with a star on the front. And I believe the author's name is pronounced either Miskovich or Moscovich, but regardless, he writes his book and it's called The Meritocracy Trap. And I want all parents to read that book and then hand it to your high school junior and let them read it so they can see that meritocracy doesn't work. There is no meritocracy. That is a falsehood. This whole thing of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and you're going to make it. No, there are some people who already start three quarters up the way of the ladder and their parents, their name, their education, where they live, puts them to the top of that ladder. So I want you to read that so that we are best preparing our young people for what's to come. Um, but again, if we're going to use this platform, we'll start having those books available. Hey, what's up, world? This is your guy, Dr. Malik, coming at you with Life According to Malik. And on tonight, we have a very special guest, a friend of mine. And as I've told you all before, I use that term friend very tightly. I know some people like to use that word friend for everybody they meet. But you all know Dr. Malik does not do that. So I want to introduce you to my friend my brother, my fraternity brother, my superior officer in the United States military, Dr. Khalid Shabazz. And he is going to talk to us tonight about parenting in the 21st century. Dr. Shabazz, how you doing tonight? Hey, I'm good. Anytime I get to talk to you, Doc, I'm good, man. I like the introduction, but uh, you know, what's good about life is you have somebody who's like-minded. Uh, not like opinionated because we have different opinions based on life experience, but like-minded and where we're trying to go forward in a new direction. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So like I said tonight, Doc, I'm, I'm glad you uh, decided to join this version of life according to Malik. We're definitely moving in a new direction. I'm looking to move into the future by bringing on more featured guests 
and you actually get to be the first guest of 2022. And you said something on the other day. I know you utilize social media for, uh, for lack of a better term, your ministry uh, to your soldiers and to the people who follow you. I know that many of your social media platforms, you have uh, five and six figure numbers of personnel who follow you. Uh, so I just like to give you a time to give us a brief introduction of who and what you are, but then also kind of take us down the road because you and I, we talked about this and um, I commented on your page the other day when you talked about parenting in the 21st century and some of the things that we need to correct as parents by not strong arming our children, the older they get and treating them like they're four and five and still in that kindergarten age time frame. So I want to just give the mic to you and let you speak freely on, you know, what we could be doing as parents. Yeah. Hey, thanks for that. Uh, I started off the post saying this may not be common thinking and it may be uh, radical. One of the things you said, no, it's not radical. Uh, it's needed. And so my post started off that as we move towards, our kids move towards a certain age, we must move towards being parents, being more mature to ensure that we support them, that we resource them, and that we'll be able to advise them. Now, parenting, as when I grew up, and maybe when you grew up, there was no advisor. They told us what we were going to do. They told us the directions that we will go into our lives are going to be failure. Now, we know uh, from being from an academic standpoint, that type of thinking is erroneous. That type of thinking is actually detrimental to any human being. So what I did as a parent, I allowed my children from the age of five on to question me. They had to be respectful but they got to question me on anything in a respectful manner. And what I was trying to do, I was trying to set up a thinking process in them to ensure that they would be able to challenge authority respectfully and to have their own minds and not just my mind. Why did I do that? I did that because I understand my limitations. I understand that I don't know everything. I understand that a lot of times that I didn't go forward in life because I was scared, I was afraid, or I didn't have the skills. So to, for me, it was just natural to parent different. So I, right now I have a 25-year-old, a 28-year-old, and a 34-year-old. While I'm still their father, I allow myself to listen to them. I allow myself to be a resource for them, and I allow myself to be in the background of their lives. Why? So I can be at the forefront of their minds. I'm going to say that again because I don't want anybody to miss that. I allow myself to be in the background of their lives so I can stay in the forefront of their minds. What do I mean by that? If you're just preaching at your kids, telling them how wrong they are, I'm sorry, you adults, tell them how wrong they are and what decisions they are making that are horrible and they shouldn't do that and they shouldn't do this, you won't be in the advisory role with them very long. Now they get to go out and get some horrible advice from people who are not as successful as you, who don't love them as much as you. And now you put yourself in a position where you're not in their lives. 
And so I'll conclude the first part like this. My son and my daughters, we have a cash app relationship, right? <laughs> and what I mean by that is I told them, it's a contract. You can have anything that you want from me if you need it without a speech, without a dissertation, without a thesis. What I ask of you as your father, don't use me because I'll be here with you forever. Whatever you need, I'll give it to you. I'm a resource to you. And so my children, out of love for me, thought something was wrong with me. They called my wife, asked was I sick, asked did I was, was I dying? Because I was sending them, anytime they asked, I was sending them money for rent. I was sending them money for, you know, car notes and cell phones. And the reason I did this, Doc, is because this mentality, at least in my community, of dysfunction, you put kids out there at 18 years old, 19 years old, and you tell them to fend for themselves. I think that is egregious. I think it's erroneous. And I think it's why our communities are so dysfunctional. They have no guiding hand. So I wanted to do that differently. And it's worked out for me and my children. Thank you. Well, Doc, I'm glad you said that because so um, many people know me. I'm a, I'm, I'm a divorcee. But I have uh, two children with this lady and my two children live in New York. I have not lived anywhere near New York since 2016. But when I get my boys, most people see my relationship with my boys through social media. Because when I'm with them, I'm going to take pictures of them. Um, yeah, you know, last time I saw them over the summer, they were about five, eight, five, nine. I got them for the holidays. They are easily six feet tall. So, wow. you know, wow. I'm looking at them, so I don't want to miss a moment, right? But sure. the, the, the thing that I picked up from your conversation the other day or your monologue the other day was that I had to see them the same way. I yeah. really did. That I have to be a resource to them and not that proverbial hammer that just keeps beating and beating my mindset, my persona, my ideology into them so that it best suits me. Right. And I do think, and I can say that because I'm, I'm not a very weak man. I can be told when I'm wrong. And I do believe that with my oldest two boys, I may have gone wrong with that because I do remember there was a time when my oldest son, Timothy, and I like to poke and jab and thump my boys yeah. and everything. Because they're boys, you know, we rough house. Right. But, Jim was 18 and he had a friend over and there was some gentlemen over at the house and I walked up behind Jim and I thumped him in the ear and he said, Dad, when do I get you old for that? That was a changing moment for me. That made me shift my entire thought process as it became that, wow. And he wasn't disrespectful or belligerent or anything. He just looked right. at me and was like, Dad, when do I get you old for that? You yeah. know, and it made me think that, wait a minute, he didn't want to be embarrassed in front of these guests, in front of his guests. Right. Uh, he is growing out of that. Be right back. D'Angelo with the brown sugar, baby. There it is. Angie Martinez coming to you live from New York. And we're doing this from the D-Lo Studios. You're getting ready to witness it. D'Angelo recording it live for you on your radio. It's cruising, y'all. 
Hey, what's up, world? It's your guy, Dr. Malik, coming right back at you with life according to Malik. But let me ask you this question, though, from our vantage point, because I think I look at you and I, we're still in that same generational time frame. When do we, especially of our young men, start loosening those reins on them and not trying to lead the horse to water and then forcing him to drink? Yeah, I, that, that's, that's a great question because that a lot of that is based on maturity, not from the child, from the father, <laughs> right? A lot of times the father is not mature enough to understand that when he was a child, he didn't like that, right? And it was not beneficial to him. Uh, I also had a, a aha moment when my son was with his lady. And I was like, hey, Jenny, go get me this. Hey, go get me that. And I saw the disgust on his face. Like, I'm with my lady. Can I be a man? Right? And so, for educated people, not educated in degrees, educated in degrees of learning your environment, you have to understand I have to understand, people want to be treated as adults, even in the time of 16 to 17. It is our responsibility to grow them just like we grow our soldiers, right? Just like we grow, grow our subordinates. You know what's interesting to me, Doc, is we have more compassion, more time, more teaching, and more uh, empathy for those people who work for us than we do for our own children. We cuss them out, we call them names, we tell them they ain't ready, we tell them they ain't gonna never be nothing in some households. You would never say that to your soldiers. You would never say that because you're afraid of some EOIG complaint. But why can't we have that same compassion for our children? I talked to my children since they were 14, 15, like they were adults. This is what I encourage you to do, son. This is what I encourage you to do. And if you don't do that, here are some consequences. And I, I wish my children could chime in here. They would tell you that I told them from the time of 15, every day, it's your life. It's not my life, not your mom's life. It's your life here. Now, I, I do think we have to be educated and show them some options, yes. but you just can't beat them. A lot of people want to say, well, okay, you don't want to listen to me, then I ain't going to tell you nothing else. Well, that ain't right. Uh, I heard you say we have to be able to show kids options, and then once they make the decision, then as a parent, then that's well, that, that what we call unconditional love is. We stand by them in that decision. I'll say this in conclusion. My mom, rest her soul, she told me the two decisions that I've made were going to be the worst decisions of my life. I mean, it's, this is the person that I love most, and I'm not being denigrating her because I, she is the person that I love most in this world. She said, conversion to Islam is going to be the worst decision of my life, and coming in the military was going to be the second worst decision in my life. Right? Now, these are people you love. She's just speaking out of limitations. She's speaking out of probably... Uh, fear. She's probably speaking out of how she saw the world at that time. These have turned out to be the best decisions in my life. <laughs> right? <laughs> but the person you love most is speaking to you out of limitations, out of fear, out of concern, and out of love. But those things in themselves, if you're not careful, 
limit the very person you're trying to help. I suppose I would have taken her advice. Yep. There's nothing wrong with working at Kroger's, but that's why I was working as a janitor when I made these decisions. Doc, I got to agree with you uh, because now let me, let me take you down a little path here and it's just dealing with my own children because I feel like I'm correcting what I did with my eldest two in the form of my youngest two. And I did not give them that level of attention uh, that was necessary for them to be successful. All I gave them were the three options I had. Yes. Uh, but hearing <laughs> what you said, I also understand that those were the three options that my mom and my stepfather had. My mom always beat us over the head with, go to college, join the military, or get a job, but you're going to get out of here. Yes. The one thing that I adjusted was I was going to always make my home available to my eldest children. Um, yes. Now I did, I hammered that. Oh, you got three choices, you know, turn 18. And I had to adjust that thought process because my eldest son actually turned 17 in his senior year. He was a full calendar year behind his classmates uh, right. when he graduated from high school. So that right there in itself was, was just wrong. And so right. when I talk about in my previous show about the trauma of turning 18, I developed an innate fear in my son to see what was on the other side of the world. Although okay. he traveled to Germany with us, Italy, various parts of the country, different duty stations. He was not ready to step out on his own. That's and right. I had to make that mental adjustment that, man, I might not be able to leave my baby down here by itself. So That's now right. he, where he went back to being my baby, not my young man. And right. so in looking at that mindset, how do we influence the generations after us, not just our children, because I also see there is a need uh, beyond just us, just beyond the listener, the listeners of life according to Malik, but how do we influence those after us to realize that, hey, one, you have more than just three options. You know, I think we hammered at three options a little too hard. School, right. military, go, go get a job. Well, one, we know jobs aren't out there like that. The military right. isn't as easy as we would want it to be. And, right. and going to college, everybody not college material. You're talking exactly. to the guy that found out he was dyslexic when he got the grammar. So, exactly. Exactly. You know, so yeah, exactly. how do we influence the people of generations after us to get them to understand that there are options and that everything doesn't necessarily re revolve around those three options? Well, yeah, I, and I, I think, you know, I've got an old saying that we're so busy planning uh, flowers outside of our house, we grow weeds inside of our own garden, right? So I am what the military calls <laughs> a tactical thinker as opposed to a strategic thinker, which they want you to get all in the clouds and the high clouds and think about generations and generations. Well, I'm not that guy, right? Because I wanna, I wanna operate at the tactical level. The way you change generations is to change your own household. What do I mean by this? So I saw in the 
black community, we had no rites of passage, right? The Jewish community has, the Christian community has, the Caucasian community has. They got forms of rites of passage. So I didn't go down to the local, you know, council meeting and complain about what black folk didn't have. I created a rites of passage for my son based on Masonic rituals, based on Omega Sci-Fi rituals. And I took my son through four stages. I had four of my friends from work, a young youth, manhood, and old age. And then the fourth stage, his two grandfathers uh, greeted him and gave him words of wisdom with a present, right? Uh, but in each of these stages, all of them gave him words of wisdom and a present metaphorically on his life. At the end of him seeing his grandfather, we took him like the military does from E4 to E5. We took him from among his friends who were there and we put him among the men who were there, right? Military ritual. And at the end of that, my wife sung the black national anthem. It wasn't a dry eye in the room, right? And so my son at 14 years old, 14 years old, what the hell is this dude doing? I have no idea, right? At 28, he's like, damn, dad, that was deep. So he says to me, I may not do it the same way because he don't have the paternal experience, but he said, I will do that for my son. See, that's generational change, right? Because not only did I change my household, when I put that stuff, some of it on the internet, other men got ideas to do it, but it started in my home. I think a lot of times because of our yearning and our want for our people, we start out first. What you're doing, and that's why I put that on the comment, just seeing you with your boys is changing men's lives. You'll never know. You're an educated man, you're a smart man, you're a strong man, and you being intimate with your sons like that? Brother, you changing generations just by people seeing that because that's not cool in our community. What's cool, what's cool is some of the other debaucherous things that get more likes. You see what I'm saying? But you might get seven likes on that post. But trust me, thousands of people are watching. You know, something that, that something you just said, uh, so about a year ago when I was uh, stationed down at Shaw Air Force Base and I had my boys for the summer and I was online teaching them how to tie a tie. Yes, I and love that. I got the most heartfelt message, inbox message from a gentleman that I didn't even know because he said he had to go through someone else who was a friend in order to get to me because my page was private. Yeah. And he said, man, first of all, I rewatched that video 50 times because I didn't know how to tie a tie. He said Ooh. what he would do is he would go to a friend. They would tie the tie. He just pull it over his head. Yes. And so he said from that watching that video, it was so simple that he learned how to tie a tie. And he said he went and got his boys, brought them over to watch the video. And then he taught them how to tie a tie. And that resonated with me. That had my heart beating so hard because one, I didn't want to have that profound effect on someone else just from teaching my boys how to tie a tie. But like you said, I broke that generational curse per se. I hate to use that term, yeah. but I broke that generational curse of a lack of knowledge. Cause I know some people, oh, you know how to tie a tie, you stupid. No. Right. Stupidity, stupidity is it's a stupidity is to know what's right and still do it wrong. He was right. just ignorant because 
he didn't know what right looked like. He didn't know how to do it. But I bet you if he needed a tie tie, he knew where to go. But now yes. he had the patience, someone, a patient teacher to teach yes. him how to tie a tie, even if it was my video, because he watched me teaching my boys. And that re that really resonated with me. Life according to Malik MJP Radio, WDRB, Voice of the Community. You walked away from me since all of our scattered dreams were just thrown away. I'm finally getting back to what I used to be, shared my pain with my family. Think I'm on my way. I can sleep at night, I don't reach for you when I wake. But it's taken some time yeah. I can live my life without praying that we could make up I'm moving on, I'm feeling strong inside But sometimes I cry When I'm all alone with this heart And you'll both be happy, yeah. Been long enough for me to take a look around. I met a girl, we've been hanging out. She's been good for me. But when we're making love, she don't take me there like you used to. And it hurts when I love. Understand how to push you out, forget you, and let you go. Cause Lord knows I tried, yeah, but sometimes I cry. Baby, I've been hurting for a long, long time. Yes, I have been. Sometimes I Hey, what's up, world? It's your guy, Dr. Malik, coming right back at you with life according to Malik. So, yeah, and, 
And that's the, that's the that's the importance as well. I, I get a lot, man. I get so much flack for being online uh, at my status, you know, and educational level. But those people really don't understand. Those people don't understand guys like me and you at this status level are teaching people how to be not only educated, not only to be intellectual, but also teaching them how to be men. Yes. Our community lacks and suffers from that. The the strongest man I ever seen in my life was on TV, Malcolm X. I didn't know what he was. I didn't I just saw him as a strong man and then I patterned my life after him. And that taught me something. That people are watching that you don't know. People are learning from you that you don't know. And so this internet thing you're talking about, like in the introduction, you're talking about over 160,000 followers and so many people in my inbox just, oh, how, how inspirational you are. I'm just getting up at five o'clock in the morning, lifting weights and running on a treadmill, right? But people in my inbox, I watch your videos every day. They keep me from committing suicide. Isn't that powerful? Wow. Yeah, they're powerful. I was in the gym here at Shaw Air Force Base. This young sailor, uh, airman, runs up to me. Oh, my God, it's you. I mean, he act like I was LeBron. I mean, I want to be LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> but he says, oh, my God, it's you. I was in California watching your video. Sir, you saved my life. Young Hindu kid. He's a young Hindu kid. I posted he got the beard because he was receiving so much discrimination from people who are who don't like him because he's different right right? and so as an african-american male most people don't put a lot of thought into this but being out on the internet being confident being strong being intellectual people are gaining a lot of strength from that so those who are in the powers that be at least in my situation man that's a problem that is a problem because stereotypically, we're not supposed to be hardworking. We're not supposed to be intellectual. We're not supposed to be strong. And we're not supposed to have courage. So generationally, just by being on this freaking internet, we are knocking down walls. And people have to understand that. Well, Doc, look, I appreciate you coming on to Life According to Malik. You uh, Every time you, you, you bless us. When you, when you talk to us, and I know uh, it's been a while, I think it's been about a year and a half the last time you and I did a, a sit down. Um, yes. I definitely want to get you into the MJP studios, uh, COVID withstanding, and see if we can get past this this airborne flu or illness or yes. whatever this is out here yes. taking God's people away from us. But I definitely want to get you in the studio. Uh, keep us posted on what you're doing. I will always keep an eye on what you got going on on social media. Uh, I will definitely keep in touch with you. I see your family is growing and your grandbabies are, are getting <laughs> big. You know, I know right. was that big when I first saw him, you know. Uh, I did not know your oldest daughter was that old, but man, hey, that is yeah. definitely a blessing to see your grandchildren and your family flourishing. But Doc, I will give you the last word. And if you can pitch us on up out of here, I will leave us. Thank you all for life according to Malik. If no one has told you this week, Dr. Malik loves you, mask up, be safe. Uh, What I I wanna say in closing is you're not a product of your environment, you're a product of your thinking. 
uh, you in my world uh, from the time of Fort Hood. You've always been a thinker. You've always pushed against common thought. I absolutely adore that about you. I love that about you. That's why when you and I get together, we can sit down and talk for hours and I don't get my job done in the Army. But I love talking to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, I like I like to say um, to your listeners, you're not a product of your environment, you're a product of your thinking. Think outside of what you've been taught. Think outside of what you see every day. Think outside of your limitations. I want your audience to pray for me tomorrow. I'm going on a trip to Jordan. And from there, I'm going to Saudi Arabia to make Hodge. So I'd just like you you and your, your audience to, to pray for me. I need it. I am actually going through a very tough time right now in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, just coming on and being strong uh, helps me uh, in my mindset. And one of the things I abhor in life is discrimination and prejudice and people discriminating against you even though you work your asbestos off all your life. So the right. people in your circle have a way of doing that. But I thank you for this uh, because this helps me refocus on my purpose. I really appreciate it. Well, Dr. Shabazz, thank you for coming on. And this is this week's version of Life According to Malik brought to you by MJP Radio. And we will see you all next week. Mm -hmm.